Our scripture for today comes from the letter to the Hebrews and includes just one verse. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joint from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto Please be in the spirit of prayer with me. Holy and loving and gracious God, we inch forward, hoping to hear a word for our lives. Give us grace, O God, to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, the courage to change the things which can be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. Amen. So years ago, a friend of mine was teaching a New Testament course at a local state university. Tony was always looking for examples for his students about how difficult it was to say anything with confidence about the historical biblical Jesus. Unexpectedly, one Sunday night, he was given that perfect example. Tony and his wife were watching a 60 Minutes interview with a right-wing TV personality who had just written a book about the death of Jesus. The author was convinced that his book was free of any religion or doctrine, that it was purely a history book, And he told 60 Minutes that the point of his book was that Jesus was killed because he protested the high taxes of the common people, shown most clearly when he overturned the tables outside the temple. As Tony was watching, his wife Courtney started laughing. What, he asked. Well, she said, I was reading about that same passage just now. You see, across the room, Courtney was studying for her yoga teacher certification. And so she proceeded to read an excerpt from one of her assigned books in which this author claimed that Jesus' cleansing of the temple was an act of animal liberation. Both authors said that Jesus' actions in the temple got him killed. Common ground. But one claimed it was because Jesus was a small government, anti-tax revolutionary, and the other one said that Jesus was an anti-herding animal rights activist. Now, the Bible says a lot of things, but if you read those two verses found in the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus turns over the tables, you will find that there is nothing said about taxes and nothing about a vegan diet. We laugh, 
However, I was reminded of this story from Tony when I saw a bumper sticker the other day that read, the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. I couldn't help but to ask, what is it that you think the Bible says? And what do you believe about it? And what is settled again? The Bible is not that clear, actually. You could put a handful of seminary students, pastors, academics, and pew sitters in a room with a Bible, and you would be hard-pressed to find a complete agreement on very much, let alone the totality of its 800,000 or so words. I personally blame a 16th century German monk named Martin Luther. (laughs) He wanted the Bible to be in the hands of regular people like you and me. Before the Reformation, the Bible was only written in Latin, and it was only allowed to be read and interpreted by priests. And so Martin and others translated the Bible into many languages, making it accessible to everyone. So today, most Christians have a Bible in their homes. Some of us have a family Bible, and others of us have a Bible on our smartphones. And still, many of us don't understand the Bible any better than those who didn't have access to it. And lately, I've become more and more concerned with how the Bible has been turned into an idol by Christians. Because of our lack of context and understanding, many Christians have added the Bible to the Trinity, creating a quadrinity of sorts, where the Bible itself is worshipped. Conservative and progressive Christians alike have turned Scripture into a weapon, a giant power tool that has lost its manual. And if we are completely honest, the primary goal of venerating the Bible is to use its words to further our own agendas, to prove to others that there is a divine being who thinks like we think, who votes like we vote, who hates who we hate, and who blesses what we bless. There's a common Zen proverb that says, Do not mistake the finger pointing at the moon for the moon itself. The words of the Bible are not God. The words of the Bible are pointing towards the Word of God. The words of the Bible and the Word of God, there is a difference between the two. Some progressives have washed their hands of the Bible entirely due to the abuses of it. I get it. And others of us are trying to redeem it for our lives, and I get that too. Among the questions submitted for our You Asked For It summer series, there were many of you who had questions that focused on the Bible. Considering the diverse backgrounds of this particular congregation, I decided to go with the all-encompassing question of how can we read the Bible? That little word, can, versus the words do or should seemed to me to be descriptive of this congregation versus prescriptive, more of a renewal than a rehash, more of a wondering than an arsenal of weapons. Most of us could use an invitation of how can we in order to fall in love with the Bible again. 
Now, I can't speak for all progressive Christians and how they read the Bible, but I thought I might just distill five different invitations, five different invitations to how we can read Scripture. Here we go. Number one, we are invited to read the Bible prayerfully. The problem here is that so are our fundamentalist brothers and sisters. Now, this might make you nervous. Yeah, it makes me nervous too. The good news is that there is common ground there. Conservatives and liberals can agree that the Holy Spirit helps us understand what we read. And prayer always, always builds trust in me. It reminds me to stay in my lane and not get distracted by what other people are saying about that text, too. Number two, we are invited to stop thinking that God wrote the Bible. It's fine. We aren't going to hell for saying so. God won't be mad at us if we say it out loud. God will still love us if we don't consider the Bible to be infallible or inerrant. It's okay to believe that it was written by flawed human beings who were inspired, not dictated to, by the Holy Spirit. Number three, we are invited to use the best available biblical scholarship from those who study it academically and professionally. We are invited to seek context within chapter, within book, within genre, within the overarching thrust of the Bible. We are invited to read the passages with consideration of the historical sociopolitical context, frequently of oppression, which they were written in. Now, on a side note, we are allowed to call attention to the many contradictions in the Bible. We all know they're in there, so why not say it out loud? That's not to mention the numerous instances of violence and horrible theology that we reject. But I also encourage us to think differently about those inconsistencies. Maybe we can use these passages that we hate to endear us to the Bible. Not because we agree with those passages, but because we recognize that their pages reveal the human condition. The fact that such passages still exist in there at all are evidence of a mature people who realize that it's best to not hide our dirty laundry or to deny our very real human feelings and passions. If the Bible were all about PR propaganda, we would have edited out those passages a long time ago. These passages can actually help us grant authority to the Bible as it reveals our shadow sides, parts of us that we would much rather hide from. But when we face our shadows, there is greater possibility of our shadows being transformed and integrated in healthier, holier ways. Number four, we are invited to confess honestly that there is no reading of any words on a page or a screen that don't involve interpretation. This means that there is no objective right, one right way to interpret the Bible. Now, I think... This is one of the biggest sources of contention 
between fundamentalists and progressives. It's not about whether we read scripture, but about how we are reading scripture. Progressives tend to say, well, we read the Bible seriously, but not literally. And while fundamentalist Christians try to read, try to read the Bible literally, the more honest ones will contend that they don't read all of the Bible literally. They know that's impossible. But well-meaning fundamentalists still have their concerns about slippery slopes, and so they have leaned in and asked me things like, so how do progressives interpret the Bible? Seems like you just read into it what you want it to say, twist it, and don't take it seriously. And I just try to gently remind them that when we criticize particular things in others over and over and over again, it is often because we too struggle with the very same things in ourselves. So thank you, friend, for struggling with me. This is why... God's word is a two-edged sword. It cuts through all our crap. God is the ultimate hacker of our personal accounts. Nothing is hidden from our maker. Not agendas or pride or revenge or suspicions or resentments. When we boldly quote scripture, our thoughts and the intentions of our hearts are sliced open to reveal what they truly are. So it's not a matter of whether we interpret, but how we interpret the text. We are all selective. We all do it. We all go to the text looking for something, and we all have a tendency to find it. And I feel hopeful, though, when I hear progressives just flat out admit it, and share our discernment strategies in transparent ways. Number five. So if we all interpret, then we are all invited to employ an interpretive lens, or what us churchy people call a hermeneutic, of love. Mostly because we believe Jesus used a hermeneutic of love too. Rachel Held Evans wrote in her newest book called Inspired, are we reading with the prejudice of love, with Christ as our model, or are we reading with the prejudice of judgment, of power, self-interest, and greed? Are we seeking to enslave or to liberate, burden or free? The hermeneutic of love is the ultimate double-edged sword because it forces us to see the forest for the trees, and that allows the spirit of the law to trump the letter of the law, which Jesus modeled for us as well. And we cannot forget to always, always turn Scripture's double-edged sword of both repentance and grace towards ourselves first seeking for the irreducible truth until we can clearly see the nature of God. What I like about Martin Luther is that he believed that if you want to know more about the nature of God, you read the Bible for yourself. In it, you will find that God loves a good story 
origin stories, stories of deliverance, stories of war and wisdom, stories of resistance and of good news. These stories open our imagination so much that we will be able to see our little stories right there in God's big, big story. Now, I've read a lot of scripture, and I've read it multiple times, but it still has this amazing ability to surprise me and to show me something new every single time I go to it. Every time I need comfort, every time I need healing, every time I need to be confronted, I go to the pages of the Bible. I'm as bold as to say that my best way to know about the nature of God is to read as much as I can about Jesus. For Christians, Jesus shows us what God is like. I mean, come on. If God is as loving as Jesus was, I think we'll be okay. Today is as good as any to fall in love with the Bible again. There is fresh news spoken just for us right there in our holy text. God indeed is speaking to us through and beyond the 66 books and 800,000 or so words of the Bible. Even Martin Luther alluded to this living, breathing word of God when he wrote, God writes the gospel, not in the Bible alone, but also in trees and in flowers and clouds and stars. This is why we call the Bible the living word. Because when we connect our stories to God's great big story, those little fixed words on the page come to life in us and in the world around us. I can't imagine taking the Bible more seriously than that. May it be so. Amen.